Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Week one is in the history books. We had spankings, tankings and teams falling down the rankings. My name is Cameron Hobbs. Uh, my name is Paul Mitchell. We had an action-packed first round. Our teams both won their games due to a pick six and a last-second kick. We'll share our thoughts on some of the things which caught our attention from all the weekend's action. And we'll give out our first 2019 weekly awards as we take a 3B approach this year. It's then on to week two. We'll highlight the matches catching our eye. And as ever, we'll wrap up with all the news and we'll be announcing our guests for the week four live event in Glasgow. Now, before we get on to Glasgow, Paul, we've just done a live event. Indeed. Can you remember much about it? Uh, to be honest, I think the end of it's a little <laughs> bit fuzzy. And I'm totally relying on you for some of this tonight because um, I keep making the same mistake. It's such a buzz afterwards. You know, you're with a huge group of fans in the pub chatting about football. And then the first thing that happens is as soon as I'm done, I get a beer. And then inevitably somebody's kind enough to buy me a beer. And before you know it, you're six beers deep. You don't know what day of the week it is. And you look up and you think, when did this game start? Uh, and that, I think, sums up my sort of seven o'clock till about 11.30 when I got home on Sunday night. But do you know what? I wouldn't change it for the world. It was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Couldn't agree more. First of all, I'd like to thank each and every person that came along. They were absolutely brilliant. They got into the spirit of things very early indeed. And we just had a blast there. You know, we had Cam Craig from the Carolina Havoc there. He was brilliant. Charles Patterson from Sky. The chat was good. The competitions, the interactions were great. The highlight of the night for me was you trying to play defensive line. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah. for those who weren't there, we had Cam Craig, uh, offensive lineman from the Carolina Havoc from the Arena Football League. And, you know, we did a little bit of instructional work. And then I said, let's do this one more time. And I said to Cam Craig, just go for it full speed. And the look on your face was priceless. <laughs> And he did go for it full speed. I'm not convinced he went full strength, but it was more than enough. Um, if there is, we shared a little video on Twitter, and if you hear it, you can actually hear the noise, the air coming out of my body. I'm not entirely convinced it was all coming out of the same orifice either. Um, <laughs> it was coming out as I was thrust backwards. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have made defensive end at any level, to be perfectly honest. And uh, if, if ever I had any kind of misconception that I could do it that's completely gone now I know exactly where I stand and if I was on a football field I wouldn't be standing and I think that's pretty much the best way to sum that up yeah the strength it, do you know what the pace at which he moved his hands was quite something and just you know it, it was it was almost like a kung fu move it was slap slap push and I, that all happened before I even knew what was going on I didn't see any of it coming there was no opportunity for me to do anything about it it, it was I mean I'm obviously not making the right moves or anything like that but just the pace in which he moved and it was fascinating to get him to talk through uh, exactly the sort of just the small moves based on what the opposition player is doing what he's trying to do you know he's trying to keep his hands on the inside keep the defensive end hands on the outside and then he's swatting left or right depending up down depending on what the the defensive end's doing so I thought it was really interesting content and I think you could see as well from the audience absolutely captive you know the, the, there was a working bar there wasn't anybody up getting a drink at that point everyone was watching that bit so you know really fascinating content i think cam thoroughly enjoyed himself he got a huge round of applause at the end and it was deserved because i thought he was really really good yeah it was fabulous so and i think you're right the the place was absolutely silent for that thanks everybody took part in all the games and, and quizzes and things it was just an absolute terrific atmosphere there and there was a great 
atmosphere after we finished as well. Mind you, it's usually popular when you and I finish. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I spoke to so many people in the bar. Very few people left. Most people stayed to watch certainly the first games. The bar, the golf tavern in Edinburgh was absolutely packed. And it was just brilliant. So many jerseys, different teams represented. And as you do, you see somebody that supports your team. You've never met them before. And you just suddenly start chanting, you know, my case, Saints football. It was fantastic. Yeah, same thing. I had a 49er fan who had come along for the first time. He'd just started recently listening to the pod. Um, So, you know, we're delighted to have people like that that are are listening, finding out about the pod. There was a couple of American guys that just Googled it and we'd come up on on our search and they came along to the event just on that. So, you know, a real mixed crowd. Everybody really up for it. I thought it was everyone got involved. The last man standing was a lot of fun. Um, And I, I, I just hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, you took your yellow flag section particularly well as well. I, for those not there, I set Paul up. We relived the the moment, the the no call in New Orleans. Um, we threw some flags. We made you feel better about the whole thing, and we showed you what would have happened if that hadn't, if it had been called. And well, what... I didn't dis- I didn't agree with the ending, but it was very very funny. <laughs> I have to say, it was absolutely priceless. Being a Saints fan, you've got to have a sense of humour, and I don't know if you saw what the Saints fans, a lot of Saints fans, wore to the Superdome for Monday Night Football. There was so many there in black and white striped tops. That was just hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one for the Saints fans to enjoy their moment and all the rest of the fans to go, right, come on, move on already. Um, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So that was week one event. Then came the football. And Paul, it didn't take long for Sammy Watkins to score the first touchdown on Red Zone. Um, incidentally, Pat Mahomes' first ever thrown touchdown against the Jags, you know, something that they were holding on to, first touchdown of the new season on the Sunday night, uh, goes to Sammy Watkins, um, who had an absolutely brilliant night. And it went from there. It was action-packed, as it always is. Well, what I love is, I mean, you know, you could go through all the games, nobody would pick the game winners correctly, because there's certain things you simply didn't see coming and then if you'd said to somebody at halftime pick the you know pick the winners you still wouldn't have done I mean the highlights for me I mean the Bills coming back on the Jets bad coaching I thought from the Jets but you've got to give the Bills all the credit in the world another team who suffered because of halftime the Redskins Redskins came out and surprised absolutely everybody at Lincoln Financial Field Eagles got their stuff back together in the second half it's so often you see that you know, it's the old cliche, halftime came at the wrong time, but it did as far as the Redskins were concerned in that particular case. You mentioned the Chiefs and the Jags, and you got to talk about Nick Foles going out. You know, throws a couple of great passes, looks the business. The Jags look the business. You know, beautiful white uniforms, the black trim, the black helmets, you know, none of this multicoloured and gold stuff that they've had in the past. They look the business. Uh, and all of a sudden, it just flushes down the toilet. You get Miles Jack getting absolutely escorted off, um, you know, for throwing, you know, not just throwing his toys out the pram, but throwing the pram. Um, and that was a great game, and the, you know, and it was good to see then, you know, then the backup has to come to the fore. Fascinating. I mean, that in itself was a fascinating contest, and we've got other games to talk about. Yeah, I tell you what was the most fascinating was his moustache. That was fascinating, Minshew. <laughs> um, and do you know what? He actually came out and did really well. Uh, you look at the stats, he was 22 for 25, 275 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Do you know what? We know that the Chiefs' defence isn't 
absolutely brilliant. Um, but they're they're more than capable. So he came out not expecting to play and actually did pretty well. You know, the final score, 26-40, there's a lot more embarrassing spankings. I don't put this down as a spanking. It's getting on the borderline, fine. But, yeah. you know, 14 points in it. Um, there's there's much worse performances than that. The Jags have obviously gone and traded now for Jim Dobbs, who was the uh, number two at Pittsburgh. So I think they're saying he's going to come in as number two. You got to say that Minshew did more than enough to justify getting another go at it. Um, but even Leonard Fournette looked a little bit better. Leonard Fournette dropped the ball. That's his first ever fumble in the NFL. Um, which I was actually surprised at. I, I thought he'd done that before. Um, but his first ever fumble, he started to look better. Uh, DJ Chark did really well, 146 yards and a touchdown. Um, Didi Westbrook was looking pretty sharp with his touchdown. There's 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 signs there in Jacksonville. I don't think you need to be worried, about, but you're going to be massively disappointed that Nick Foles has gone out. However, I think this is all a ploy because yeah. what does Nick Foles do best? Nick Foles does best when he comes into the game at the end of the season, has a bit of an off-season run and wins you a Super Bowl. I reckon that's what they're just thinking. Do you know what, Nick? Get yourself injured. Go off. Come back. We'll just sneak into the playoffs. You can come back and steal the glory again. It's Nick Foles' time. This is the story that's already been written. Uh, maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know why you're not coaching in the NFL. That's genius. <laughs> I, like, I like that. But yes. I, th- I think the thing is, I mean, he's slated to come back in November. If means you can get them there, Dobbs, you know, if they can just do you know, a little bit. If you look at the rest of the division now, I did mention the Titans aren't as bad a team as some people think they are. And I think the Titans got a little bit of a hard time in our preview show. I've always liked the Titans for some reason. They're just stuck away in Tennessee. They're treated as the old Oilers. Nobody really pays them a great deal of attention. I like Mariota, and I thought Mariota had a decent game on Sunday. You know, and but again, and they'll be delighted. Tennessee are not getting the headlines. It's all about the Browns implosion. Oh, very much so. And it was an implosion in the fourth quarter as well. I mean, it was it was running away from them, but really that fourth quarter was an absolute disaster. Um, you know, you look at Derek Henry. Now, Derek Henry had that one massive run. He only got 84 yards. Um, you know, most of his yards came from one carry. He had 19 carries total, one touchdown. Um, actually, the Browns were doing an okay job at stopping him. Um fine reception he did have 75 yards and one as well but um it was yeah Mariota did play well he didn't get intercepted the Browns defense there was a lot of talk about them being contenders on both sides of the ball and it just didn't turn out like that at all um the offensive line was absolutely shocking uh you know Baker Mayfield three interceptions um which is his NFL record already um and it just was not particularly nice at all um, but you know what, Cameron? I, I think you know. I think you know. We, we we talked before we came on air here. We're not going to try and make sweeping statements here because no. you got to give it two, three, four weeks totally. with, with possibly ahead. one exception. And even we are going to try and give the Dolphins the benefit of the doubt and see how that works out for us. I think the lack of play in the preseason is an absolute problem. Um, you know, we saw this with the Bears. They didn't play any other starters, Mitch Trubisky, etc., and they just looked dreadful. And you and I thought they just looked 
very, very rusty as well. Now, I think it's Jets, Browns, Monday Night Football. That's going to be a cracker because the Bills have to bounce back and the Jets, I mean, blowing a a 16-point lead at at home. I think I still maintain I would have liked to see the Browns with Greg Williams in charge. He did a great job at the tail end of last season and I think they would have been an awful lot more ready to go against the Titans than they were on Sunday. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and there's a there's a whole load of sort of, there's a number of teams you can point the finger at in that. And Trubisky's definitely one of them. You know, you go back to that Thursday night game and they went back and played the Packers-Bears because the first time these two sides met was in 1921. And Trubisky played like a quarterback in 1921. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it was shock. It was terrible. Um, he, and I think it's so disappointing. I actually saw some comments online uh, reading up on this. And there was a couple of Bears fans who seemed to take exception to the fact that Rodgers wasn't getting a hard time Although he had a not, you know, had very similar numbers on the night. Now he threw for one touchdown to Jimmy Graham, as opposed to Trubisky didn't do any. But other than that, the numbers are largely similar. But I think for me, the big difference here is why Rogers gets off the hook and Trubisky doesn't, is because Rogers has proven he's elite. We know what he's capable of. You're not always going to have a great game. Fine, um, he's rusty as well. But he's also under a new head coach. Trubisky isn't. This is year two. This is when you're supposed to take a step up. You've also got the fact that. Rodgers was up against probably the best defense in the league. Mitchell Trubisky wasn't. That that Packers defense looked great. But, you know, it was Mitch Trubisky didn't do a particularly good job of using his legs and getting out out of the pocket or making space for himself. And then finally as well, Aaron Rodgers had to go into a very noisy soldier field with a bunch of fans that hadn't seen football for a long time. It started off with the 1985 Bears coming out. Then they kicked the field goal. There was a massive roar. So Rodgers had to play in that noisy environment. Trubisky didn't. So I think the the sum of the parts means that Trubisky comes out of that looking really bad and Rodgers didn't do brilliant, but gets a pass. Uh, And therefore, you know, it's right that the questions are being asked to Trubisky. Now, what's going to be interesting, and you touched on it there, we're chatting about the fact that this is the the early stage of the season. This is when, you know, things are bedding in. You find out about new schemes, new offences and all these things. Trubisky is going to have to make a big step up um, over the next couple of weeks. If he doesn't, then questions are seriously going to be asked. And the bear season could be written off early doors. We're not doing it yet. We're nowhere near. Let's not be ridiculous. That's a talented team. But he's really got to take it forward from there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he doesn't want to become the Blake Bortles of the Bears. One, because it's hard to say. And two, you just don't want to go down that route. You know, they've got talent on defense. They don't want to have. You don't want that well of only they had a better quarterback. So let's not go with the overreaction stuff. And let's give Mitch Trubisky another three or four games to see what he's made of. Other other overreactions. People are obviously overreacting about the Browns. Are people overreacting about the Dolphins? Now, this ridiculous story that came out that, you know, a number of Dolphins players immediately contacted their agent and are trying to look for trades to get out of town. Now, just hang on a second. If you didn't know the Dolphins were going to be a bad team practicing with them every single day, then your judgment as a football player is seriously, seriously poor. Nobody's expecting much out of the Dolphins, not because of the players' lack of effort. it's They've just not assembled a particularly good group of players. And that's on management, not on the players here. So for all this, oh, you know, we want out, we want out, you knew what the chances are your season was going to be like. So 
you know, I, I was talking to my eldest in the car this morning and saying it's a chance for these Dolphin players to say, right, you don't think we're any good. The team might not be any good, but me as an individual, I'm going to play my heart out and somebody's going to want me at some point. It might not be here, but I'm going to land a contract somewhere else. I am going to be a standout on this team. I'm not going to chuck it. And it'll be interesting to see who steps up to take that role. Indeed. And I think if you look at the game itself as well, that Ravens defence is very good. And it has been for years. The question marks really coming into this one were not about the defence. So the fact that the Dolphins only put up 10 points in the first half you know disappointing but fair enough it is a good defense it was how prolific on offense they were that i think took everybody by surprise lamar jackson as well only had six yards himself on the ground which i don't think anybody would have had um, no the and, I mean, under, there's no way you'd be going under 50 yards definitely not you'd be mad um not a and, chance and not a chance rocked up with six and to be fair you, you got to look at some of this as well so marquise brown who incidentally is the better Brown in that family now, given everything that's been going on there, um, <laughs> opened his career with a 47, 80 and an 83 touchdown pass. It's the first time a rookie's had two 40-plus yard scoring snatches in a debut, which is quite something in itself. But let's look at Jackson himself. He's the second quarterback in franchise history with 300 yards and five touchdowns in a game. Joe Flacco was the other. But he set a uh, Ravens franchise record for the most points with 59, the most yards, 643, and the biggest margin of victory, 49. He's also the first player with at least five passing touchdowns in a season opener since Peyton Manning. Um, Jackson's become only the seventh quarterback in NFL history with at least 300 passing yards, five touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating. He's the youngest to ever do it, but he's in only one of seven. The other six... Five of them have won a touchdown, and the other one's featured in it. The list is Peyton Manning in 2003, Tom Brady 2007, Drew Brees 2009, Nick Foles 2013, Jared Goff 2018, Ben Roethlisberger 2018 as well. So, you know, he did everything. All the questions about his throwing, all the questions about can he be the man to take this team forward? Now, fine, you can ask questions about the Dolphins, but he can only beat what's put in front of him. And good God, did he do it. He did it in a half. Uh, it was a brilliant performance. And if he goes on to continue that sort of form, the Ravens are going to be a real contender. But for them, it were early days, let's see what they do against a slightly better team. Can they Absolutely. maintain that level of performance? Yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson was on South Beach by the end of this game, just, you know, having a little cocktail and warming his feet well, in the water. RG3 even came in, managed six for six and a touchdown. You know, that's yeah. just brilliant. You know, you know you're taking the Mickey win. Um, I think a couple of things about Lamar Jackson. He's 7-1 and one as a starter. I think the, the work that they've done on the passing game, again, little asterisks because it's against the Dolphin, was there. Our good friend Gordon McGuinness talked about the Dolphins were bad. He says that matters to a point, but Jackson was a significantly better as a passer than at any previous start. And, you know, they were play action on almost half of their passing attempts as well. I think it's going really well there, and I think that's really good. The, the only slightly flippant thing I need is we now need a nickname for Lamar Jackson. LJ never works. That's just one of the the, the ones that don't work. Action Jackson's been taken. Uh, we need a nickname for Lamar Jackson, but I'm going to leave the last word on this game to him because he said in his post-match uh, press conference, says, 
Not bad for a running back, eh? <laughs> yeah, which is a brilliant response. A brilliant response. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna use that to talk about another brilliant response because Scotsman Lauren Tynes did a tweet. I loved this one, and I'm taking us on to the Bengals Seahawks game because the Seahawks came out winners. But do you know what? Fair play to the Bengals. They had no AJ Green. Uh, Joe Mixon went out the game really early, and to be honest with that, you're thinking, "Geez, what are they gonna do here?" But Andy Dalton threw for a career best 418 yards, and John Ross was unreal. Um, 158 yards, two touchdowns, and it was just a one-point loss. What it means is, and there's a few tweets about this afterwards, is Pete Carroll now has a win over every single NFL team except the Seahawks. To which Lauren Tynes replied saying, that's a lie. He did the Seahawks in Super Bowl 49. <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Absolutely. Sorry, Seahawks fans, but I'm going to have to take the digs. I have to take the digs. Um, but do you know what? That was actually a really entertaining game. I was impressed with the, the Bengals. They looked confident. Uh, they were slinging it about. So long may that continue. Yeah, I was very, very impressed. I thought it was a good game. It's nice to see. I like Andy Dalton. I think he does get a hard time. Uh, he's more than a capable quarterback. And I think, you know, it shows they might not be as bad. Uh, John Ross, I thought, played really well. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of positives for them. I, we spoke about this on last week's podcast. I think there's two different types of week one games. You can be in a week one game where you're not really expected to do anything. So if you do it, that's great. Or you can be in a week one game that's that's a giveaway game. Nobody really was expecting Washington to win in Philadelphia. The fact that they've done well, okay, they didn't get the W, lifts the team. And I think that's what you look at. Is your team lifted even though they've lost? And arguably, the Bengals have been lifted in defeat. I think the Redskins have been lifted in defeat. Um and I think that's that's kind of good because you go you go down some of the others. The Panthers lost at home. That's a bad thing for them. Um, the Redskins, I say, I think they're fine. The Jets losing at home. Falcons losing on the road didn't play well at all, largely anonymous. The Jags losing at home, losing their quarterback. They're on a down. The Browns losing at home badly. And the Browns, it's worth noting, Cameron, 18 penalties. 18 yeah. On you know at home, uh, the Colts arguably they left seven points on the board in terms of their kicker Vinatieri. They could have beaten the Chargers. So again, there's positives to come there. The Giants, Eli went for over three hundred, but I mean the Cowboys, I mean Prescott just annihilated them. Um, let, let's talk about just very quickly a couple of other games. I mean you must be pleased that the 49ers beat the Buccaneers, but Jameis Winston's got interceptionitis once more. Yes. Uh, the way he throws the ball. The Lions Cardinals. What on earth were the Lions doing in that game to call a timeout when you're getting a first down, which effectively would have sealed the game, and then they don't get it. Uh, but Kyler Murray, you've, you've got to give a big shout to Kyler Murray for for his fourth quarter performance I think he was 16 to 21 over 150 yards and two touchdowns now for a guy that can't see over the offensive line that's pretty good but I think the Lions gave the game away now I've seen people arguing that the Cardinals should have gone on to win it but that game should have been tucked away let's talk about Sunday night Patriots against the Steelers I'm so glad it wasn't the Thursday night game because that was even worse in terms of you know a contest um, the Patriots just running all over the Steelers who, I mean, they may be brownless, they may be bellless, but they're largely talentless at the moment. Yeah, and do you know what? They did all their attacking on the receiving side of things as well. Um, 
Philip Dorsett had a really good game with two touchdowns. Edelman, of course, another 83 yards. Uh, Josh Gordon back with a touchdown, 73 yards. And then they've got Antonio Brown to come. And we'll come on to him in a minute because we're going to talk about the weekly awards. Um, the, the Patriots were impressive. Uh, going back to the Niners briefly, I thought that we were disappointing on offense, but the defense stood up. Um, we managed to get two pick sixes. Um, we only had two interceptions in the entire 2018 season. So we've already got more interceptions this year than we did last year, and it's one game in. So that's great to see. That's progress. And I think that, you know, the upgrades on the defense will have helped that. The pressure on the quarterback coming from the front seven gives that secondary a better chance to make the important plays. And, you know, Jameis Winston's not exactly known for his cool, calm head and these things, is he? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Bruce Arians, we expect progress under him but it takes time there as well so he needs to be given a chance um i thought that ronald jones was actually really good if they're looking for a positive and um, lots of questions from him then the rookie last year didn't feature preseason maybe looked okay without anything special he had quite a good game but they've got a long way to go to make any kind of progress and uh, i'm not going to write them off by any shapes of the imagination but they, they they're going to have to make progress or they're going to have another pretty miserable season a couple of shout outs for player performances just before we go into the words as well i'm going to say the lions and new tight end tj hawkinson what a night that he had six catches for 131 yards and a score in his debut um, no tight end has ever racked up as many receiving yards in his first nfl game ever so that's quite something um you know, if you look at actually on the night, so you've got Hawkinson, Marquise Brown, AJ Brown at Tennessee, Washington's Terry McLaurin, I think it is. Um, they all had at least 100 receiving yards on their NFL debut. It was, you know, scintillating watching at times. And then you look at the old boys that are still doing it. Larry Fitzgerald, what a performance for him. You know, turn, keeps turning back time. He's like, you know, he's the wide receiver, Tom Brady. He's going to still be running about at 42 himself. Deshaun Jackson as well, what a performance he had. Um, you know, that's 31 career touchdowns of at least 50 yards. He trails only Jerry Rice, who had 36 for the all-time record. Uh, he had a magnificent performance and instantly got that connection um, with Vence as well, who looked pretty good. The Eagles started slow but got going uh, and in the end had more than enough for Washington. So... Some really good performances there. Um, and I think this is probably the right time now to talk about rewards. And we've decided to change it this year, Paul. Indeed, we're going to go with, with, with different uh, awards because we like to be, it's a new season. You know, we, we are not um, Antonio Brown. We don't, you know, we don't stand still um, and stick our feet in Cairo chambers just to get ourselves going again for the season. So we have come up with three new awards and they are all B awards and none of them are Antonio Brown. <laughs> I bet he's winning one. Um, yes, indeed. So we're going with Belter of the Week. So Belter in Scotland, if you don't know, means a great thing. If you're a, a Belter, you're an absolute Belter. That means you're great. Um, Bowfin, which is a Scottish term for for being horrible or honking as we did last year. So last year's honking award is now the Bowfin Award. And then Bob Ag of the Week, you know, who's been the biggest jerk, the biggest asshole, the biggest clown uh, in the league. And do you know what? We've had some really good responses to this. So I'm going to take a couple of minutes to rattle through some of them. There's there's too many to cover them all, um, unfortunately. So I will pick through the ones that appear uh, a little bit different compared to some others. I'm going to start with Brian Kearney. Uh, his belter of the week was Patrick Mahomes, who picked up where he left off last year. Baufin Award for him goes to the Dolphins, looking like a team that's tanking. And his ball bag was Odell Beckham Jr. for going out to play a game with a £200,000 watch on. I actually think it was a £350,000 watch. Um, it could be just him, but he doesn't think it's on. 
time to change. No pun intended. Uh, Lorne Callahan, uh, he's, his belter of the week is the Ravens. Baufin Award goes to me for my attempt at being a pass rusher, um, <laughs> which I think is fair. And Bobag goes to Antonio Brown. Um, some could argue he's got a case for Belter Award as he's just ultimately got what he wants, which is to join the evil empire. It has played out well for him, to be fair. Uh, Michael McLeod, he's a Titans fan. His Belter is his Titans or Lamar Jackson for his quip about his touchdowns. Not bad for a running back. He touched on that. Baufin, Dante Pettis at the 49ers, one reception for seven yards. Fair enough. Bob Ag, a wasted nomination as the Patriots and Antonio Brown have entered the uh, pantheon of immortal Bob Agri. That's a great turn of phrase. With the Browns for their utter indiscipline. Um, I don't know why they're in there with the Browns. Poor Browns. Um, Incidentally, do you know that the Browns haven't won an opening game? Or let me just say, I'm sure it's... Yeah, 2004, since they last won their opening game of the season. That's something that they'll want to break. They're 0-14-1 in that time. So we we applaud them. That's consistency. Yeah, and I, th- I think that can be overlooked. You've got to say that is utter consistency on opening day, and there's not another one of those 31 teams there that have got such a consistent record. So all credit to our friends in Cleveland for that. Indeed. A couple more that I'll run through just before we move on and give our own. Maybenex, he says, Belters, Dalvin Cook ran riot on a Dan Quinn coach team, enough said. Baufin, the Miami Dolphins, of course. Uh, Bob Ag, AB, the obvious choice, but he's going to go with Dak Prescott because he completely overshadowed the return of Zeke. How inconsiderate of him. Um, <laughs> Graham Taylor, he's come in with a different one for Bobak. He says Miles Jack, and a few people said Miles Jack for getting ejected in week one, and he's the captain. That's and and he, he wasn't going off either. He was. It took two men to restrain him and escort him off the field. He was absolutely raging. Um, so obviously needs to screw the head in a little bit there. Greg Stark, he says Belter has to be either Lamar Jackson or Marquise Brown, uh, the Bobag's cousin, as he calls it, because obviously the Bobag <laughs> goes Antonio Brown. Um, Baufin, just because of the hype, goes to the O-line off the Browns. Uh, just having a look. Um, Ross Black, he says his Belter was the Vents D. Jackson partnership, which was frightening. Um, uh, Sammy Watkins and the Chiefs gets one. Also, though, and we've not touched on this, Will Lutz. So... We got to touch on this one because we haven't really touched on what I think was game of the week uh, when it comes well, down to entertainment. What? I, I, absolutely, a I, absolutely. I was I was saving a couple of Monday night things, but you've brought it up, so we'll go there. What do you want in the sport? You want great athletes. You want entertainment. You want controversy. The referees dead set on doing the Saints again. This time it was over the time clock. It was just tremendous. You then had the missed extra point, but. Yeah, the end of the rough in the passer call. Um, so instead of being 20, 20, 27 each, it was 28, 27. And then who else? But as they do in New Orleans, as they do in this house here, in Breeze, we trust. In he came, bang, 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 off to Will Lutz, who'd missed an earlier one, and absolutely melted it from 58 yards. It was for the Saints, an absolute thing of beauty. For the Texans, I think, yeah, the O-line is a bit scary, but they showed they've got talent on that field. And Deshaun Watson um, is up there. He looked good. He passed well. I think they've got a lot going for them, the Texans, given the fact that Andrew Luck is out. You know, it makes the division slightly easier to win. Texans-Titans, when that comes up, takes on a slightly different perspective. But it was... It was such an exciting game uh, with so many, you know, side issues and things like that. I, 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 that to me, what I think you're right was the best game. It woke up with that throw 
um, from Deshaun Watson to Fuller. And that for yeah. me is when the game suddenly went, oh, hang on a minute. Because it had started slow as well. I thought that, you know, neither team looked particularly brilliant on offense at the start. Um, good to see friend of the show, Whitney Merciless, get involved as well. I'm sure you uh, enjoyed his interception just because of the work he's done with us. Good on you, Whitney. Um, but yeah, Deshaun Watson looks brilliant. Uh, you could see the the upgrade that Tunsil's brought to that offensive line, but it's still a problem. And Watson still had to run around a lot. They need to protect him because if they lose him, he's you can't replace a talent like that. But if they can protect no, him, they're a real threat. They are a real, real threat, a top, top team because they're strong on both sides of the ball. Picking up Tunstall was a great thing for them. So, and that was a great game. The second game got slightly overshadowed, but you got to hand it to the Raiders. You got to win your home games, especially in division. And that's what Derek Carr in the Raiders did, if you agree with me. There we go. <laughs> yeah, they did exactly what they needed to do. thought Josh Jacobs looked really impressive and really good for them to get the win. Um, Flacco didn't look particularly exciting, but hey, I don't think anyone's surprised by that. But right, let's give us... Let's give out our awards before we start looking ahead to next week then. And let's start then with the Belter Award for you, Paul. Who gets that? So I've got, I've got a couple of runners-up, so... It's the Oakland Raiders um, social media team for highlighting their new wide receiver one in the week that he had. And they put up a massive graphic saying, well done, WR1. I thought that was really funny because obviously, you know, he stepped up instead uh, instead of Antonio Brown. And to come in and say... Here you go. I just thought that was a really nice thing. And, and, you know, that's one other thing I think we'll keep an eye on throughout this particular season is we'll keep an eye on some of these, uh, the best social media interactions because some of them are absolutely terrific. They're just clever. Uh, and credit to, to Tyrone Williams for that WR1. Second, I'm going to give it to the Ravens because I thought they, they were terrific. They would be another nomination. But my belter is the Titans. How to be overlooked in a bit part player. You know, CBS come to town, main game, Browns, Browns coming out party. And uh, with that old Scottish saying, they were sent homewards to think again. So I'd go with the Titans. I'd go with the Titans. Yep. I think that's a very solid shout. I am going to go with one of the things that you mentioned, though. I'm going to give it to the Ravens. And really, specifically, I'm going to give it to Lamar Jackson. He had the perfect day. And when there has been so many questions, especially after that playoff game, we talked a lot about hangovers. Uh, hangovers from last season. It could have been very easy for his head to go down. He's obviously gone in over the summer as the number one. He's had the extra reps. He's had the time to prepare. It's his offense now. And if that's what his offense is capable of, the Ravens are a very real threat. And so many people sort of saying immediately, oh, the Browns, look at what they've got. They're definitely going to win that division. Well, I think that the tide has already swung in the favour of the Ravens. Yeah, a lot to prove as we touched on, but I thought it was an absolutely brilliant performance. Every time we looked up, there was another Ravens touchdown on red zone and there was somebody going, is that another one or is that a replay? You know, it just was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. They were so impressive. Fine, yeah, the Dolphins are terrible but they have to win it for me um and i'm just going to stick with that for my bowfin the 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 dolphins really were bowfin it really was a a pitiful performance from them um even i thought thrown in rosen at the end what's that going to do for that guy's confidence one of three five yards and an interception great thanks guys um it just you know it, it stank um there's there's problems there there's lots of players apparently 
saying that they're wanting trades and things like that. I've seen a few come out since and saying that they would go and fight for this team every single week. Those are the guys that can hopefully pull together and actually turn this team around a little bit. Uh, but it could be a long season ahead for Miami fans. Absolutely. Dolphins, I mean, stick on Bowfing. So, Belter, Bowfing and Ballbag, I mean, it, it's been so easy for us this week. Bowfing is the Dolphins. A couple of other great suggestions. The Ballbag, I do like Miles Jack, but there is no doubt the Ballbag of the week is Antonio Brown. Now, you can take his $9 million. Let me tell you, that's not in the bank just yet. Just you wait till he actually plays before you see any money tripping into his account. So, I mean, he actually decided to tweet. Now, this is, the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. Yeah. You just, you just got to. I mean, that's Eric Cantona, like. You know, I mean, that, yes. that is, that it's is utter, utterly psychotic. Um, it really is. It's just, yeah. Do you know what? And the the videos, the the fact that he's been oh. wiretapping his own coach is disrespectful, utterly disrespectful. I hate this sense of entitlement. Do you know what? He's a brilliant player. There is no denying it. That does not mean you are due are entitled to anything. You've got to go out and earn it no matter where you go. That's just how life works. But he thinks he deserves it. He thinks he's better than everyone else. And the video of him dancing around when he got released, that for me was the absolute low point in the whole thing. That was childish, pathetic, just absolute bobaggery at its finest. And do you know what? I, I'm not going to wish misery on the, the Patriots. Good luck to them. I don't want to see him succeed. I really hope for him, and just for him, that he doesn't succeed. I think that will be glorious, and the league will gloat. The Patriot fans will not, and that's fine. But, you know, it's from the Patriots' point of view, if you didn't like the Patriots already, it's yet another reason to add to the, the long list of reasons not to like them. Um, but I just, ah, yeah, boiled, that one boiled my blood, I thought. Do you know what? That's just... <laughs> That's just so pathetic. It's like just oh, so childish and oh yeah, I can't be anyway. Right, we need to move on because I'll just start ranting. <laughs> we'll move on quick, but just just one thing. I mean, for those who watched Scotland play Belgium at soccer, you know the pro proper football as they call it over here. You know, we're not going to argue about names. If you look at Kevin De Bruyne, you know he put his team with an assist up. They were two up, three up. 4-0 up when he scored and he was still tracking back getting in position you know with five minutes to go with his team 4-0 up he's a professional sportsman he realizes what he's there to do for his team he's not coasting he's there you know he gives everything he's the type of player you want to see as a professional athlete you compare him to Antonio Brown that yeah it's horrendous there's more to being a world-class wide receiver than being good at running and catching. And right now, as far as I'm concerned, Antonio Brown is one of the best runner, catcher players in the league. But when it comes to being a human being and the stuff off the field, he is below par, way below par. Uh, and you look at players like Julio Jones, he's brilliant on the field. Um, do you know what? You might get a slight edge having Antonio Brown over him, but I'd take a player like Julio with his attitude every single day of the week. And I wouldn't even think twice about it. And do you know what? Antonio won't get away with it under Belichick. Belichick will kick that to the curb. Um, and if he doesn't behave, he'll be out. He will be out because there's no way that Belichick will stand by that. Um, I think, though, he knows that he's got an opportunity to win a Super Bowl here. I think he'll wind his neck in. He's all about the glory. He's all about the limelight. If, if, if your focus is getting your face in front of a camera, then do you know what? Your focus is wrong, mate. And it's just completely wrong. But anyway, right. Week two, Paul. Let's get on to week two. Well, let's let's go into week two, and you immediately think, you know, 
what's what's going to happen? What do you need to happen? If you've started with a win, you're immediately a lot more relaxed. And I think that's a good thing. Um, but there's teams you don't want to see teams going 0-2 because that's where the problems start to come by. And so I think there's certain teams under pressure. I think the Browns and the Jets are both under pressure coming into Monday night football. So I think that that's certainly that's an interesting one for me. But it's a short week for both the Buccaneers and the Panthers. They pick up immediately Thursday night football both coming off losses to an important divisional game. I like the look of that. I think the Ravens will take care of the cards. Cowboys at Redskins. I think the Redskins have got potential of a little bounce. I think the Titans will take the Colts. Seahawks, Steelers. If the Steelers lose that, Cameron, I think that's one of the ones where you'll start to see a real rumbling noise coming from a city. Yeah, no, definitely. They, they won't be happy. They will not be happy. Uh, and then that's the sort of game as well where the Seahawks can suddenly come out of that 2-0 and they'll be super positive over there. There's really tasty ones. I think that the Texans-Jaguars is interesting just because, you know, let's see what Minshew can do in his second game. That'll be a tough one for them. But based on what the Chiefs just did to the Jaguars' defense, they're going to have to step up or... Deshaun Watson could absolutely annihilate them as well. So there's a lot of these have got interesting stories attached to them. Like the Dolphins Patriots, you got to worry for the Dolphins there. If they don't show up, and based on the performance of the Patriots week one, that could be an even bigger doing. The Chiefs Raiders, you know, you got to fancy the Chiefs so heavily in that one. Broncos Bears, you're looking for a big bounce back from the Bears. Uh, but there is some tasty ties in here. And actually, the, the six games that we've selected for our pick six are all interesting ties for different reasons. So we'll very quickly run through those. Um, we'll commit ourselves and then we'll post up our graphic later in the week, including everyone else on the team. But before we do that, just to highlight the scores so far, Paul, and I'll do this because, you know what, you've started well. You, <laughs> you, Ian, Gordon and Charles all got four out of six right. Jamie ended up getting three and I got two. Now, I took the punt. I went for the Texans. I went for the Falcons. I was mistaken on both. I might be a little bit more conservative this week. But probably not because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> but if you remember last week, I won week one and then you proceeded to win every other week after that pretty much. So this is my year. I'm coming in confident. This is fine. This is fine. Excellent. I feel like so Baker Mayfield. Under, under, you know, underplay me. See me as an underdog. Write me off. That's exactly where I want to be. Because that's when I'm going to surprise you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, to win, to lose only one week was was pretty good last year. I was quite impressed with that. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll need to we'll off off air we'll do a side bet on that right. uh, to, to see where we go. Uh, just to, I mean, just a couple of things. I mean, the Patriots traditionally don't do well at the Dolphins. I think that will change. But can I just whinge a little bit? The Chiefs were away last week, and the Raiders were at home. So why are the Raiders at home to the Chiefs? That's annoying. Yeah. There's no need for it to be like that. They could easily flip that and make that, you know, just something, you know, I, I just, that that does that does bug me. I, I don't like teams starting the season. At least you should be able to do a home away to start the season. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, and I know they've got to play things around for the travelling abroad and all that jazz, but you're right, it does feel bad um charles picked up on this at the live event that the packers now have a raft of home games you know they've gone to soldier field and now they could go and be you know six and one seven and one just because if they win all their home games they'll be in that position um yeah so it does feel a little bit imbalanced um but let's look at the games then the six that we've pulled out as the ones that we're going to focus on on week two and we start first of all with the bills the one and all bills at the zero and one giants well i mean imagine playing 
two games on the road to start your season, but both in the same stadium. Yeah. <laughs> just rock up in the same hotel for the week. Yeah, and just leave all your stuff in the stadium. I thought that'd be a great thing. I just leave it there, boys. We're coming back next week. This is intriguing simply because Eli has to win this one. You can take any other storyline that you like. Eli has to beat the Bills to stop any Daniel Jones information coming along. Simple as that. You can you could show me depth charts. You could show me statistics. I'm telling you, that is the only thing that matters is Eli has to lead the Giants to win or the Daniel Jones stuff starts. Yeah. How do you see this one panning out? I think Eli will do just enough because he's got Barkley beside him. If he's got any sense, he'll just give Barkley the ball. So, I mean, I, I will go with the home team here. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the Giants in this one as well. I think that the Bills, this will be close. Um, I think that Devin Singletary looked really good. You know, he got over 70 yards, um, or he got 70 yards on four carries, while the rest of the team managed a combined 58 on 21 attempts. You know, he's the rookie. He'll come in and be quite di- dynamic. I think the sum of the parts comes into play here, and the sum of the parts of Eli plus Barkley is better than Allen plus Singletary, counteracted by the fact that the Bills' defense is better than the Giants' defense. I still think the sum of the parts falls down on the side of the Giants. The fact that it's at home uh, will definitely be of benefit. I think that they will come away. They've got enough talent to get a win there, um, and they showed the Giants showed flashes of good play against the Cowboys. You know, it wasn't complete plain sailing there so i i come down on the giants for that one as well the next game we've picked up here is the 49ers at the bengals and this is a really interesting one for me because the the 49ers defense did really well i think the 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 health condition of joe mixon comes into play massively in this game i think if mixon is fit and makes this game i think the bengals win it i think if mixon isn't fit then the 49ers have a chance I'm going on the basis, because I'm starting this one negatively with the Niners. I still think Jimmy G's needing a couple of weeks to get up to speed. You know, he's not just had the off-season off. He didn't play last season, so he's extra rusty. So it's going to take him a, a couple of weeks to really blow out those cobwebs. And I think that the Bengals showed enough against the Seahawks to show that they're a threat. I have the Bengals winning this one. See, I can't believe you're going against your own team. I know, it's disgusting. Um, interestingly, you know, how important is this for the Bengals? What you must not do, having run Seattle so close, is lose this game. This is, even this early, you could argue a make-or-break game for the Bengals. Even in terms of feel-good factor, you've got to win this. Reminded of the old uh, Tony Blair quote, you know, I don't do hyperbole, but I can feel the hand of history on my shoulder. Um, I think this is a big, big game for the Bengals, and I don't think they can afford to lose it. On the other side of the ball, I think this is a free hit for the 49ers. You've gone to Florida. You've won your first game. You're on the road for the second time. If you were going to be one and one going back to San Francisco, you'd be absolutely thrilled. I'd be game planning ambitiously for this uh, to swing for the fences and actually have a real go at the Bengals. I hope they do not set up in a conservative way. I would, if I'm the 49ers... I treat this as an absolute swing for the fences and go after the Bengals. And that's why, even though you don't have faith in your team, I do. <laughs> good, good. I'm pleased to hear it. Based on you picking better than me as well, I'm doubly pleased to, be, to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll move on then. Uh, the 1-0 Vikings at the 1-0 Packers. 
divisional game, uh, always always an interesting one. But you, you've got to think the Packers will do enough at home, having you know one on the road. And if they're two and zero, taking out two divisional opponents, that is a massive jump for them. So I'll take the Packers. Yeah, it's an interesting one. This one just purely because of how little the Vikings do the ball. Um, I was surprised to see that they didn't throw it an awful lot. But then Dalvin Cook was so impressive on the ground. Um, yeah. He really was. You know, he really was. Um, it's The fact that it's in Lambeau Field just makes you immediately go Packers. And it's very hard to come away from that way of thinking. This early in the season, though, the Packers didn't look particularly brilliant. So that Vikings defense could do really well up there and if they go and silence the crowd then they've definitely got an opportunity to go into that so um yeah it's an interesting game if i'm just looking at the bets or online for this one as well and the odds um just trying to see in the list uh yeah so it's actually pretty close um you know the the vikings are slight outsiders the packers slight home favorites uh, compared to, and I'm just going to throw this in for context, the Dolphins are 10-1 to 1 to win against the Patriots. That's absolutely <laughs> shocking odd. Um, but no, do you know what? I agree with you on this one. I just think Aaron Rodgers at home, it'll be a close game, but I think that the Packers come out on top in that one. That, that's fair. That's yep. absolutely fair. Moving Next on, up. Saints at Rams. Saints at Rams. Do you want me to start on this one, give you time to consider your feelings? <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see which way you're going to go. So I think, right, I'm going to go this one. The fact that this is in LA is a big factor in this game. I think that there's a, there's a chip on the shoulder of New Orleans, rightly so, but it's there. I wonder how much that's going to play in the psyche of that team going into the game. They're going to go for it because they want to win. They don't just want to win. They would love to absolutely stuff them. Um, I think that the, you know, look at Aaron Donald, who didn't have a single sack last uh, last week. Um, that is surprising. They've started a little bit rusty themselves. They're mixing it up on the ground. We've been told that Garley was fit, but he only had 15 carries, so he's not that fit, clearly. Um, I think, though, it's the psychological effect of that game is going to run the emotions that little bit high. I think you'll see... A, a, more penalties than usual on the Saints because I think it will be ringing very true and I think that might ultimately cost them. I think that the Rams will sneak this one by a kick at most. Yeah, I mean, I've I had a real go at you for not supporting your team <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then decided that I genuinely think the Rams will will do it. But tell you tell you what, I'm, go I'm going to stick with my team. I'm going to say the Saints will go in there and win simply because... It's the Saints. Interestingly, you know, I, I was telling you last week about how uh, the Packers were going to beat the Bears. I told you that. I was convinced. I got it absolutely right. I've just realised on the Pick'em um, within our own league, which we'll talk about later, somehow picked the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a mistake because I, I was convinced it was the Packers. So I've obviously, we, we have to put that down to input error is about the only, <laughs> only thing. A yeah, I, I, I can't believe I did that. That's insane. Anyway, no, I'll, I'll, try, I'll try with the Saints. I mean, part of this, it's fun. It's early Absolutely. early doors for us. You, you've got to have a little little swing for the fences. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Saints here. Game five is Eagles at Falcons. Now, this, this is a nasty one uh, because the Falcons, I don't think, were as bad as they showed. I mean, Dan Quinn, I think it became only, what, the ninth coach to sack all three coordinators since about 85 and take things on. 
again for the different reasons we touched on earlier. I think the pressure's on the Falcons to win this, and I think they will. I think they've got enough talent at home against the Eagles, so I'm going to take the Falcons. So this obviously was a tie from week one last year where the the Eagles uh, basically injured half the Falcons team. Um, I think I saw enough from the Eagles when they got up to speed to, to think that they've got more threats than the Falcons do. I think that they will run it well on the ground. I think that they've got a number of options. The Eagles now, they've got the young guy Sanders in there. They've got Howard, who's big and strong. Um, Darren Sproles was out being utilised again. Um, Deshaun Jackson was looking really good. Zach Ertz is still there. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey rocking up with catches as well. There is just so much of a threat. I thought that the Eagles' defence was particularly disappointing. They really didn't do a particularly good job um, against Washington. Um, you know, Vernon Davis just destroyed, just jumping over people. It was ridiculous. Um, that defense looked really rusty as well, which I was surprised to see, although a number of them coming back from injuries from last year. But I saw more out of the Eagles than I saw out of the Falcons out of the positive flashes. So I'm coming down on the side of the Eagles with this one. And then we will finish it all off with Monday Night Football. And it's the Browns and the Jets. Well, I mean, it's t- take your pick on this one, isn't it? I mean, the Browns on paper should win this, you know, because of the roster. It really is that simple. They have got the roster and they've got the ability to do it. Um, so why wouldn't they? Well, the reasons they wouldn't is because you don't know the dysfunction that may have come even just out of one game. Uh, but I think that might be overhyping it. I think if the Browns had won last week and the Jets had won last week, you would have been going for the Browns because simply because of who they are. The fact that both teams lost puts a slightly different slant on it. Um, but the, the, there's some bad news actually coming out of ESPN about this particular game, because it is the Monday night game on ESPN. And the news is that Booger McFarlane is unfortunately fit and will work <laughs> in the broadcast booth. Now, one thing, actually, just before we uh, I go on and touch on this and give my pick. Did you give your pick there? Yes, you did. You said the Browns, didn't you? Yeah. Um ESPN have listened to fan feedback and have changed the graphic at the bottom. This, I don't know if you picked up on this. I did, yeah. I've got yeah. this here to talk about as well. Did my head in, right. We'll come back to that. I'll make my pick. We'll come back to that because thank God they've changed it. Um, but I agree with you on this one. It has. I think the Browns have to go into there. Odell Beckham going back to MetLife. He knows that ground. Um, I think that the, the Browns will bounce back in a positive way. Um, I think that Jamie Gillen will continue to punt brilliantly, which he, he was the one light out of uh, the Browns for last week. You know, from his five punts, three of them inside the uh, 20, and he finished, I think, fifth ranked overall in the in the whole NFL for net gains on his punts. Brilliant debut performance from Jamie Gillen. Um, but yeah, I think that, that 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 Browns team will have been given a bit of a fright there. I think there's been an, an element of swagger, an element of confidence and cockiness there that they've kind of gone, oh, right, hang on, right, maybe not. Uh, they're going to have to fine-tune it and, and get it right. But let, this is the bounce-back ability. They've got the extended period where they can sit and think about things and figure it out. I think they'll go into the MetLife against a, a Jets team that threw away that lead. I think the Browns will beat them. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah. Right, so that concludes everything on that sort of stuff. So let's talk about the news items and let's start with that graphic. That was a terrible graphic. I, I mean, for people who haven't seen it, so basically they, they had part of their their score graphic, and they use yellow as the highlighted colour. Now, I don't know quite how dumb you've got to be to use the same colour as the penalty flags 
on a on a graphic that yeah everybody has their own different graphics and things like that you know some will highlight stuff in yellow some put it on the background here when there's a flag on the play why would you use yellow in your graphic now it took them till half time apparently they were getting inundated with messages and again what did what did espn not have to do come monday night they didn't have to court controversy in any way shape or form they were dreadful last year in the booth nobody questioned that you know with a booger mobile and just the chemistry that didn't exist between witten uh and booger mcfarland they just had to come in and broadcast the damn game without doing anything stupid and what happened bang stupid came it didn't. It absolutely did. And do you know what? I, for a living, I work in website stuff. So this is user interface things. And I'll not go into the detail, but there's all kinds of things around uh, customer ex- user experience and u- user accessibility and things like that. This is so basic. It's so basic that there's they've not had anybody with any kind of user face experience involved in this decision. It's been done by a designer that's thought it looks really funky, it looks really sharp, and they've not thought about it. Um but fair play, I always say this, it's all about being flossom. We're flawed, but we're awesome about dealing with it. They've heard the complaints. They're going to change it. As long as they change it to something better, fine. You put it, notch it up as a mistake. You go and wrap someone over the wrist and say, what the hell were you thinking? You move on, and we all benefit from it because it doesn't look as bad as that anymore. Hopefully. You know what, you know what Cameron? If this had been NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, you would have thought, fair enough. ESPN are the one broadcaster that couldn't get away with doing something so dumb. And also it'd be interesting to know from the broadcasting point of view, because if I'm the broadcaster, because, you know, you always look at the graphics, what you're going to be doing. The alarm bells would have been going off. I would have actually put in writing, by the way, this needs changed because you are going to be told to change it because it doesn't work. And I'd be amazed if uh, Joe Tessitore hadn't actually flagged that up to them. Final word on the Monday Night Football team. Now, I don't know who this guy is, Jared Linden on Twitter, and uh, he tweeted this, and it may not be politically correct, but I do like it. The dirt that Boogie McFarlane has on ESPN executives must be the same level as Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying any more, that's enough. There's some people like him. Um, Right, okay. Do you know what? Before we move on, we're going to give some news on our uh, live event in Glasgow. We're going to give you some guest information. Now, I would say tickets went on sale. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Tickets went on sale last night. We've had an unbelievable response. And we've sold over 50% of the tickets already. We've not even announced the guests, which is our brilliant response. This is going to sell out, right? Glasgow is going to sell out. If you want to come... Get on it quickly because we've got very limited number of tickets here. There is no scope to expand it. It is where, you know, we've got a set number, like I say. I can't, I genuinely, my phone's been going off the whole day as all the, the ticket sales have been coming through. It's brilliant. We'll come on to that in a second. Before we do, quick update from the McBookie uh, Peckham competition. And there are five people at the top of that division. Um, That division, that the group with uh, 13 points out of a possible 16. So impressive performances there. Um, So they are Kaiser, Aberdeen Goose, G. Wallace 59, Brixton Hoops, and the uh, interestingly named ESPN fan 49822154201. So (laughs) I can't see the name that they've come up with. (laughs) See, that's what I said earlier in the pod. Lamar Jackson needs a catchy nickname. ESPN (laughs) fans got one. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm currently ranked 133rd in this, so I think we'll move on from that quickly. Um, but, you know, really good performances. So there's people in there that were 13 points, 12 points, 11 points, all the way down. Uh, I ended, I got eight points in my first week. Not a particularly impressive performance on my side of things. Paul, you're sitting joint 71st with 10 points. Yeah, but I, I'd like an asterisk put against that because I was an arse and picked the the, the wrong team in the you Chicago hedging your game. Bets. You can't come out now and do that. You were hedging I, your bets. I said on we this know, podcast. <laughs> we know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you say and what uh-huh. you do, two different things. Right, anyway, um, Paul, it's time to announce the guests for our Glasgow event. Can I just say before we do this, you've done a hell of a job in getting this together. And uh, so I'm going to let you reveal because I think this is tasty. Yes. So we'll give you the full thing. So obviously yourself and myself will be there once again. Um, We're going to be joined by semi-regular guest Gordon McGuinness from PFF will be there. Ian Stephen will be there helping us as well. So we've got two of our semi-regulars. Charles and Jamie might well make an appearance. We're hoping they can come through as well. But the panel. So first up, we've got Jamie McLaughlin, who is the head coach of the East Coast Bride Pirates. He was a wide receiver himself, but he's now the head coach and the quarterback coach. He's going to come and share some of his insight about what he's teaching his quarterbacks, what he's looking for, um, and, and that side of things. And the reason that he's not doing the wide receiver chat is because we've got Scotland's best wide receiver to come along. We have got none other than Scoops himself, Scott Cooper of the Scottish Claymores. If you watch the Claymores, you know Scott Cooper, number 81. Um, absolutely brilliant. We've been trying to get Scott for ages. Um, he's based through in the West, so the fact that we were through in Glasgow made this one possible. Scott is coming along, and we're not going to give all the details. He's donated a couple of items for the raffle. Tell you what, there are three absolutely brilliant items. There's one in there. I want it. I'm gutted we're having to give this up. We'll announce that one next week because we're going to keep these announcements coming. But Scott Cooper will be there. I'm so excited to hear about this. I, you know, I got into American football first by watching the Claymores. I watched him on the field. We're going to be sitting next to him, chatting to him about his experiences. I can't wait. I think it's brilliant. I think it's tremendous. What a, what a night it's going to be. And if you are a fan of the Scottish Claymores, get yourself a ticket. Get yourself down to Glasgow. It is going to be one hell of a night. There's no doubt about it. Scott Cooper live on the NFL Scotland podcast event in Glasgow. Tremendous. Well, that concludes everything then for episode 65. Keep your feedback coming. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and, of course, on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. We've really enjoyed the kickoff to the 2019 season. We've done so well with everybody coming along to the Edinburgh event. We thank you again. Thanks to everybody, though, who's been downloading and sharing the podcast. We really do appreciate it. We're looking forward to seeing you at Committee Room 9 for Week 4. Make sure that you do grab those tickets. We are expe- we are going to sell this one out. It's going to sell out by the weekend, I reckon, based on current projections. So get them now if you want to join us. And remember, you can still sign up for our McBookie Pick'em. You can win an NFL jersey and also you get an NFL Scotland hoodie and a free £100 McBookie bet. So have a look at the McBookie Pick'em. ESPN Pigskin is the place to go for that. All said and done for week one. It's been tremendous. We've had great fun. We'll be back again next week to digest all the highlights from week two and preview week three. But until then, bye for now. 